Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. It pleases me that you've once again stopped by the shop to say hello and take a look around. This is, of course, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, and I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today we've got uh, an unusual little specimen. Let me pull this off the shelf. I have to be careful not to let the cloche, the glass enclosure, uh, separate from the base because there's a little something inside here. If you take a look, it may just look like a, a bit of black ink on the wooden base, but if you tap on the glass a little bit, Yes, yes, there he goes. He's a quite an aggressive little fella. It's a substance that is alien in nature and the subject of many an illustration, written word, and films. This substance goes by Venom. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Andy Circus movie, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Of course, as uh, many Spider-Man fans know, as uh, I was one growing up, that the Venom character actually started out uh, as a Spider-Man vehicle. Of course, uh, Spider-Man in the 80s went through a bit of a change in the Secret Wars uh, miniseries. Uh, Peter Parker comes back from uh, a distant planet and he has a new black and white suit and i have always been black has always been my favorite color and in a lot of comic books and, and things of that nature uh black was not a color that was used for good guys in the old westerns the bad guy always had a black hat uh that sort of thing the good guys wore a white hat that that old stale trope but i was a i was a huge fan of the color black uh if my mom would let me as a kid i would have wore all black she would not let me and it wasn't until my teenage years and in my adult life that I uh, pull off my best Johnny Cash impersonation was the man in black. But uh, but I was excited when I saw uh, in this new black costume, I, I got a copy of the uh, first where he's he's Spider-Man. It's Amazing Spider-Man uh, number 252. Uh, and uh, one of my favorite uh, Spider-Man comics uh, still in my uh, my small collection to this date, but uh, Spider-Man running around. He's got the the black outfit with the white spider uh, emblazoned on the chest. He had uh, you know these white dots on the top of his hands, and that's where the webbing came out, as opposed to having to have the the web shooters underneath his hand. It was just a, it was a different look for Spider-Man, and that's really kind of what they were doing. The uh, the illustrators and the editors at Marvel were trying to you know bring spider-man into the 80s now this caused a big uproar with the purest spider-man fans who thought that it was kind of sacrilege to get rid of the classic blue and red spider-man suit they they kind of uh felt that that was uh iconic and i it identified people with spider-man much like uh, superman with the blue and the red and the batman with the gray and the blue uh, to change spider-man's look was just not taken very well so it wasn't very long before they decided uh, of course this suit is a uh, an alien suit 
Uh, he can, you know, he can mimic any sort of street clothes he wants. He never has to take it off, uh, that sort of thing. So they decided to make it more of a, a symbiotic or symbiotic uh, relationship between Peter and the alien suit. And then the symbiote uh, starts to get more aggressive and uh, essentially being control. Spider-Man starts to do things while he's asleep because the symbiote, uh, you know, takes over his body and takes him out. In the middle of the night, fighting crime and and doing all sorts of things while he's essentially asleep. Uh, so he decides that he's going to get rid of this soup, uh, enlist the help of Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four, and they eventually he eventually ditches this suit, and the suit eventually goes to Eddie Brock, a disgraced uh, uh, journalist with the Daily Bugle, and. Of course, Eddie Brock gets this suit and uh, becomes the the villain, Venom. And Venom uh, has a, a great uh, disdain for Peter Parker because Peter rejected it. And, of course, you know, the story goes on and on. And, and of course, Eddie Brock becomes more of an anti-hero eventually. And uh, the Venom storyline, the Venom character is really established and Still one of my favorites. Uh, I, I like the anti-hero uh, vibe that they took it to. Um, I, I love the idea of the uh, symbiote suit, uh, the black suit. I hated when they got rid of it from Spider-Man. I thought it was cool when it went to Eddie Brock, but I didn't like the fact that Venom was a bad guy. Uh, you know, I wanted the good guy wearing the black suit. Uh, like I said, huge, huge fan of the color black. And... When they did finally turn Eddie Brock and Venom into this anti-hero, um, I believe in the Spider-Man versus Venom, uh, another uh, comic I have in my my arsenal. I just haven't read it in quite some time, but I believe that's kind of where Eddie Brock and Venom kind of part ways with uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Man, and they leave on hospitable terms if you will i may be wrong on that like i said it's been a long time since i've read any of my comics but uh the venom characters is established as this kind of anti-hero after that and and that's kind of where they went with the character venom in the uh, 2018 film venom which uh, was directed by ruben fleischer uh i really enjoyed it uh, i thought it was a it was a departure from the real venom origin story uh at the time you know they wanted to keep this separate from Spider-Man, who was kind of getting into the Marvel. Uh, you know, Sony is loaning, loaning him to Marvel to use in some of their movies, and they just kind of wanted to keep things separate. So they developed Venom's own origin story with Eddie Brock, which was which was fine. You know, this uh, you know symbiote uh, alien creature sample uh, gets you know comes from outer space they bring it to earth and eddie brock gets exposed and the the symbiotic symbiotic match uh happens and we get venom and venom really isn't a isn't ever really a bad guy per se in this uh you know they they go straight to the anti-hero um aspect of venom and, and which is which is fine, you know. I, I don't think we need, you know. There there are things they can do in the future with this, you know. And, and I'll get to that later uh, because there's a big tie-in to what's going on now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe towards the end of this. I'm gonna try not to be too spoilery, but at the very end, I am gonna talk about the uh, the mid-credit scene 
that has every, everybody a buzz. Uh, but uh, th there's a lot of things they can do in the future. But as of right now, you know, Venom is kind of this anti-hero. You know, he's he's wanting to fight crime with Eddie Brock and only eat bad people's brains. And that's one of the cool things I always liked about Venom as a bad guy, uh, as the villain, because uh, they really kind of amped up the horror aspect uh, of of any of the Marvel uh, villains or comic book villains in general. When you're talking about Marvel and DC, the, the big two, uh, you didn't really, you know, they're bad guys, but you didn't really get much horror in it. Not that there needed to be horror, but with Venom, there was this horrific uh, feel to him because, yeah, he's, he's constantly wanted to eat, eat people, eat their brains, and he has that long tongue and this grotesque uh, mass of, of alien uh, symbiotic uh, suit, and it just, uh, there were some horror elements to it that I thought was very cool, and they didn't really play off that in the first movie, but in Venom Let There Be Carnage, which was just released here uh, this past week, uh, they really kind of play into the horror elements of, of Venom and Carnage. And that's something I was really excited about. You know, even in the beginning, you know, they're kind of flashback to uh, Cletus Cassidy's youth when him and Francis Barrison, uh, who plays, sh or, you know, that's the Shriek character, uh, they're at this St. Estes, Estes home for unwanted children. Uh, they're taking Shriek to Ravencroft Institute, kind of like the Arkham Asylum uh, of the Marvel Universe. But uh, but they're taking her away, and it's kind of the, the beginning. They're showing this uh, St. Estes, a home and it's very just got a very gothic haunted look to it uh they do it in the dark i can't remember there may have been a storm going on it felt like there should have been a storm going on uh the the creepy organ music uh it was just it you know felt like the beginning of a horror movie which i thought was really cool because like i said you know with with venom and carnage you have some elements of grotesqueness and horror and they kind of play into that as well especially with the uh, creature design for uh carnage but they start with this uh this scene uh shriek is being hauled away uh to ravencroft institute by uh, you know in part with this young police officer patrick mulligan who we see the older version of him you know they saw him in the the trailers and and we see him later, but uh, she uses her shriek, this sonic scream, uh, to try and break out. And he shoots at her. Uh, he thinks he's killed her, but we find out very quick. It's not like a, a a big spoiler. You find out quick she's not dead. He he hits her around the eye or something like that. That's why the one eye is a little discolored when we see her later on. But he has lived his whole life thinking that he has, has killed her and... And that kind of sets the table for for what we we see next. It goes into the present day, and you've got uh, Mulligan working with Eddie Brock, uh, taking Eddie to talk with Cletus Cassidy, kind of where we left off in the mid credit scene on Venom back in 2018, uh, where he's going to interview uh, Cletus Cassidy, and they think they're going to get information on where you know he's he's got more bodies. There, there are more people that he's killed. They just can't find him. They think he's going to give him up as he gets closer to uh, 
to to death uh and it turns out he's not uh so eddie brock's interviewing cassidy again and uh they do this thing where they they kind of peek into his cell and he's got all these drawings on the wall where he's scratched into the wall venom sees this and venom obviously has a uh, photographic memory they actually even refer to that later so uh you know eddie brock doesn't have to remember anything venom sees it and venom remembers it but it's it's this big um reveal that he he has drawn the place where he has hidden all these these bodies of his victims cletus cassidy has and that uh Venom figures it out and and they find all these bodies and Eddie Brock is a superstar because he did what the police and the FBI couldn't do found Cletus Cassidy's un, undiscovered victims and Cletus Cassidy in California they lift the moratorium on the death penalty and he is going to be the first person to die by lethal injection uh, and that really sets up everything um that we're going to experience in the rest of the movie because you have this relationship between uh, Eddie Brock and the Venom symbiote where both of them think they don't need the other. <laughs> uh, Venom knows that uh, Eddie Brock wouldn't have been able to solve all this if it wasn't for him. Eddie Brock doesn't think that he needs him because all it's doing is causing problems in his life. His relationship with, with Anne is, is back on the rocks again uh non-existent if you will and and he lives like a slob because venom is a slob and it's just it, there's a lot of tension between those two characters uh cletus cassidy is about to face the death penalty and he is doing uh you know he's not happy that uh he he wanted to be in control like many uh serial killers they they hate not being in control uh, of their situation they like to be the manipulators uh look at you know the hannibal lecter character in the silence of the lamb you know he felt like he was the puppet master cletus cassidy felt like he was the puppet master uh you know making everyone dance for him and when that was taken away he you know had this rage for eddie brock he invites eddie brock to to see him one last time before his execution and he antagonizes eddie to the point where venom kind of intercedes and and tries to attack him and and eddie gets too close and cletus cassidy bites his hand and gets you know eddie's blood in his on his mouth on his hand that sort of thing and that's not regular blood that is symbiote infused blood which is how Cletus Cassidy gets the Venom uh, symbiote in him. Now, in the comic books, they did it a little different. Uh, um, some things had happened. Eddie Brock uh, was in jail. His cellmate was Cletus Cassidy. Uh, Venom broke him out. And as Venom was breaking him out, uh, this like spore drops from him. And, of course, that spore attaches to Cletus Cassidy, and he becomes Venom. And it's it's similar, so to speak. There was a cell present. Uh, <laughs> a bit of Venom got on Cletus Cassidy, and he becomes Carnage. I, I'm, not, I'm not so... Because they've had to change the origin story of Venom uh, so much, 
Uh, it doesn't bother me that they change the origin story of Carnage slightly. Uh, I, I think it all works. It all makes sense as to why it happened. So that that doesn't bother me. I'm I'm a very much a purist in in storytelling. You know, when when it's a book or it's a comic book uh, being adapted to TV or or a movie, but I'm not so much a purist that I don't. Uh, it doesn't bother me when they change things, if those things make sense, if the changes make sense uh, in the context of what uh, the movie is about or what they're doing. And in this in this case, I think it made perfect sense for it to go down this way. And of course, comes time for the execution and Carnage finally makes its appearance. And I, I have to say that the um, the creature design on Carnage was very it was very akin to to horror movie style uh creature creation uh unlike venom which is big and muscular and bulky uh this felt very uh sinewy and you know like just raw muscle <laughs> layered on top of each other uh it just was a very gross a grotesque look to it and uh it almost felt like uh like the thing um john carpenter's uh, some of the some of the things they did uh, creature effect wise with the thing it, it kind of felt akin to that in how they designed um the carnage character in this and it looked fantastic and it was there were some scenes where uh, things happen later and they're in this big cathedral and and there's some imagery uh, with carnage uh, against the back of a stained glass window. We actually, you actually saw it in the um, trailers. Uh, just some horrific, uh, along with the score and and everything that was going on. Just some some really creepy stuff. I'm not gonna say scary uh, because it wasn't a full blown horror movie. Although that would have been kind of cool uh, if they had treated this more like a horror movie. Um, even even more so even the even the Venom uh, movie before this in, in 2018, uh, if they had treated Venom more like a horror character, I, that that would have been a cool way to do it. Not that I'm displeased with with how they've done it so far, but uh, that would be an interesting take. Or maybe in in future uh, movies when they introduce some of the other characters like Toxin and and. Um, I can't think of the other ones right offhand, but there's uh, different colored Venom symbiotes, and and we're probably going to see a lot of them as as time goes on. But that would have been cool to see a, a more horror centric uh, Venom movie. Uh, that to me would be kind of interesting. Um, but that's neither here nor there because that's not what they did. Although, like I said, there are some very uh, horror driven elements to this as as we see the movie go on, uh, especially when it gets to this big wedding scene, as they call the red wedding, uh, that's, you know, got some, some horror elements to it that I thought was very cool. Uh, a lot of horror imagery, uh, especially that venom, uh, creature design when, when it's, you know, when they're really doing it up, uh, it looks really cool and really creepy and in the right right context could have been really scary but they really played uh more to the i, I don't want to say comedy 
because it wasn't all comedy, but they treated Venom and Eddie Brock kind of like a, a buddy cop. Uh, it's kind of felt in some ways like a weird buddy cop movie <laughs> where uh, it, it really, the focus of the movie was on their uh, not being very symbiotic uh, where Eddie thinks he doesn't need Venom. Venom thinks he doesn't need Eddie. Uh, they actually do end up separating and Venom kind of hops from person to person trying to find, uh, you know, somebody to, to match. And he's not finding anybody that is a match like Eddie is. Eddie's, you know, off doing his thing, but he realizes that he needs, you know, everything that Venom brings to the table. And and the two of them eventually come back together. I mean, that's no big surprise. Uh, it's kind of how... Uh, you would expect a movie, <laughs> you know, uh, whenever you have any sort of buddy cop movie where uh, everybody gets upset with each other. Uh, all I can think about is the Little Rascals movie <laughs> when Spanky and Alfalfa are mad at each other and you've got the Roseanne Cash song playing her version of uh, Bonnie Raitt's uh, Love Has No Pride. <laughs> And then they finally get together. That's what it felt like. Not quite as saccharine sweet as the little rascals, but it kind of felt like, you know, you knew where that was going. They were both going to be mad at each other for a little while, and then they're going to realize uh, they missed each other and then come back and and be Venom again, which is uh, something that uh, I, I think it it's kind of a nod to, uh, to the way it went in the comic books, because in the comic books, Eddie Brock, uh, at least for a little while, if memory serves me correct, goes a little bit insane having this other voice in his head and, and the two together. Right? And, and Venom is always kind of described, especially by, he's a bit of a pariah amongst the other symbiote aliens uh, as being insane. So there's a, there's a lot of play on sanity in the comics that we didn't really get here, but it is kind of a nod to it that they do kind of drive each other nuts. Uh, Venom is always in his head making smart remarks and, and wanting to eat people's brains. And, and then when it's Venom uh, on the outside and Eddie Brock on the inside, he's always trying to get Venom to, to do the right thing and not, you know, don't kill this person, don't eat this person. Uh, that sort of thing. So it, it, they do kind of play on the crazy, uh, the insanity of of the characters, but not to the degree that they do in in the comic books. Which you know, it it would be interesting to see that again. Uh, that would be something cool to see to really amp up the insanity factor. But this is Disney and this is Marvel, and they and you know they're playing more on the lethal defender uh aspect of venom from the comics which came uh much later um they even talk about it venom venom wants them to be a superhero and uh talks about a cape and and a mask and all that kind of later it's actually quite funny um but he wants them to be called the lethal defender and, and eddie brock says ah that sounds kind of 80s and uh and then later on he agrees that uh, that's what they should be called it was it was quite entertaining that's that's the cool thing about this you do have a lot of uh horror elements to it in carnage and in the venom character itself uh you know lends itself to to being a, a little horror ish um but 
you do have uh, a lot of comedy in it, which you know takes you right out of any bits of horror you were feeling. Uh, takes you right out of it. But this isn't a horror movie. This is a superhero movie. This is an action movie, and they really um, the comedy doesn't feel out of place because they're not trying to make this a horror movie which i i have made no bones about it uh, always disappoints me when there's too much comedy in a horror movie this isn't that so i don't mind that uh, the, the jokes are kind of funny uh them playing off each other is quite funny um they do a good job with that but you've got them finally coming back together and then let's go take on carnage at this red wedding event and the action in that was pretty cool. It was a little um, easier to tell them apart. Whereas in the first one, you had Riot, which was kind of a grayish uh, colored symbiote. And, and it's at night. And it's, it was, there were some scenes where it was a little hard to tell Riot from, from Venom. Uh, not terribly hard, but, but hard enough. But this, uh, they, they didn't make Venom, or uh, Carnage, I should say, overly red. Uh, it was actually quite a muted red. It almost felt uh, less like a comic book drawing and more, like I said, um, like muscle, the color of muscle, uh, maybe slightly redder. Uh, but like I said, he looked like, you know, his body looked like muscle layered on top of muscle. It was very grotesque looking and it looked like bits of uh innards uh, stretching out when when the little appendages come off of them and it looked really gross but it was the fight scenes were really cool because carnage uh yeah you could tell the two apart much better and uh carnage has those cool like big claws that come out of his hands and and they did a really good job um playing up the fact that carnage is this unstoppable character even when venom sees carnage he like disappears and it's just eddie brock there because oh he's a red one those are really bad we gotta go uh which was quite uh amusing uh but of course he doesn't go that would make for a very lackluster climax to the movie but uh but the two fight and uh, we even get a little help from um Ann Wang and her boyfriend, Dan, Dan, the doctor <laughs> shows up and, uh, becomes more of a, an active, uh, participant in, in this movie. Of course, uh, Ann and, and the doctor are engaged much to Eddie Brock's chagrin. And, uh, you can tell Ann and, and Eddie, you know, Eddie obviously still has feelings for her. Uh, she obviously still has feelings for Eddie, but she is in this relationship with uh, a good guy. And uh, Dan actually shows up and, you know, shows that he's not just a good guy. He's a guy that's he's going to help out when the chips are down. So it was kind of really interesting to see the part that he played in it. And um, and then we get the uh, the feds are coming in because of all this destruction going on at this church and. And we get the, the big climax uh, between Eddie Brock and uh, and Venom and Cletus Cassidy and Carnage. And it was one of those deals where I, I always hate, and, and this is going to be a little spoilery, and I apologize if it's too spoilery, but it, it had to be something that you knew was coming, uh, even though I hate it. I hate in superhero movies where they feel they have to kill off the bad guy at the end of it. 
Because in the comics, you know, the bad guy never dies. Or if he does, it's easy for him to come back. And I suppose it would be easy for Carnage to come back. But uh, they they did it in such a way where I it's going to be hard, I think, for them to bring the Carnage character back. Because because uh, <laughs> Venom bites off Cletus Cassidy's head uh, and eats the Carnage symbiote. Um I, you know, it, it made for an interesting climax and it was a, you know, it was a very satisfying climax, but me as a comic book fan and I like, you know, that's why I hated about the original Batman movie when they killed off the Joker. I'm like, well, the Joker's the guy that always comes back and, and you can't bring him back for another movie because he's lying dead because he fell however many stories. Uh, that's how I felt with this. I was like, Carnage is such a great bad guy for for venom and and he's dead now now like i said they they can bring back the carnage symbiote uh you can't very much bring back cletus cassidy uh because he's sans head at this point <laughs> but and and i get it you don't want to do you know the same thing over and over again so they're going to bring a new bad guy in or, or what have you for the next venom movie but it's always disappointing to see um, these big villains uh, die at the end because you know there's no coming back uh, for these characters, which are very cool. Uh, Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy was spectacular, even though they, in the mid credit scene of Venom, uh, they had this wig on, on Woody Harrelson that looked very much like the curly mop-top redhead like overly red hair that uh, Cletus Cassidy has in the comics. Uh, when they did this movie, they kind of dialed that back uh, a little bit. Uh, he is wearing a wig. It's quite red. It's not as curly. It's like he got, uh, he took a trip to shortcuts and got the uh, 1095 special. But, uh, and then when he finally breaks out, he has a more, you know, tight and right hairdo um i i thought that that was a little silly of them to worry so much about the hair that cletus cassidy had i liked the crazy wig that he had in the mid credit scene of venom even the the first iteration of his hair in this movie was would have been fine uh, i didn't need the the shortcuts version later on but woody harrelson played cletus cassidy uh probably as well as I could have expected anyone to, you know, in reading Cletus Cassidy in the comics, it just, uh, he, he felt like this, like, uh, I don't know, sleazy, dirty, angry, uh, that, that Southern accent. I can't remember if he has like a Southern drawl in the, the comics. I can't remember that much about his origin story, but, uh, Woody Harrelson, kind of that that slightly southern drawl, and uh, and he could be so charming, and then go from charming to just utter disdain in a matter of a second. Uh, that just that's how I pictured Cletus Cassidy being as a as a real living, breathing human, and Woody Harrelson really, I thought, uh, did a fantastic job as Cletus Cassidy. Um, and that's that's the disappointing thing about the Carnage and Cletus Cat or the yeah the Carnage and Cletus Cassidy characters dying at the end of this is that we are not going to see that again. Uh, I, I mean, I, 
I could be wrong on that. Uh, I, I don't know how they could pull that off. It would be cool if they could, and we could get Carnage and Cletus Cassidy back uh, in a future iteration of the movie, but uh, I don't know how. But, you know, at least we have this. Like I said, Woody Harrelson, spectacular job as Cletus Cassidy, and uh, spectacular job as a serial killer. Uh, I, I know he's played killers in the past, but uh, but this just shows why uh, Woody Harrelson is such a great actor and uh, really enjoyed that. All, all the acting in this was really good. Uh, Tom Hardy as, as Eddie Brock uh, does a great job. Uh, he does a great job with being this... Um, kind of anti-hero type character you know he's not like half the time he always looks sweaty he's not like the hunky uh put together uh version of the alter ego to a superhero he's not bruce wayne um he's got flaws and he's got demons and he's got faults and he's you know you know, looks like a real human, looks like a real person that lives in a crappy little apartment somewhere in San Francisco, uh, as they set up here. Um, and, and Tom Hardy, I think, does that really well. He plays that kind of realness uh, to this Eddie Brock character who, you know, is kind of, is very flawed and isn't the hunky leading man type in, in the comics. And I think Tom Hardy really uh, pulls that out in, in his portrayal of Eddie Brock. Michelle Williams playing Ann Wang, uh, she does a great job. Uh, I think her and, and Tom Hardy have a, not great chemistry, um, but they have some pretty good chemistry on the screen. I enjoyed watching the two of them interact. Uh, Naomi Harris uh, played a great uh, Francis Barrison slash Shriek. Uh, she didn't have much to do, um, but what she did, uh, I thought was fantastic. It reads Scott as, as Dan, uh, <laughs> Anne's, uh, fiance spectacular, Stephen Graham as, as Patrick Mulligan. Uh, he's somebody we're going to see again. Uh, he did a fine job. He kind of plays, uh, this kind of douchey detective that, uh, kind of a dick to Eddie, but we're going to see him again because he's, I'm, I'm guessing he was supposed to be, uh, killed. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, but obviously he's not because we see him at the end and his one eye is glowing blue. So I, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with that is, is that, did he, did he get a symbiote, uh, or spawn in him uh what's going on with that they really left a big question mark with that uh patrick mulligan character at the end it'll be interesting to see um see where they take this character and speaking of the future the mid-credit scene in this movie really was a game changer for for sony and marvel because they have been talking about venom is in a different universe than the MCU, than Spider-Man. And that's why we are not going to see Spider-Man in the Venom movie. Andy Serkis doubled down on that uh, when talking about uh, this movie, 
to the press uh, before it was released. Uh, you know, no, there's going to be no cameo from Spider-Man. This is a different universe from from uh, the Spider-Man uh, franchise, and they really doubled down on all that. Well, Eddie Brock makes a promise to Venom that uh, he's going to be able to feel the sand in his toes and the wind in his hair, proverbially. Venom doesn't have hair. But uh, he they go on this vacation, this tropical island, uh, at the very end of the movie. And, you know, Venom's got his toes in the sand and, and say la vie. Well, you get to the mid-credits, they're still on this vacation. They're lying on, uh, on the bed in their room. And Venom's talking about how he has a billion essentially setting up that the symbiotes have kind of like this hive mind and and them these symbiotes um kind of have a connection across universes so he has a the the memories of a billion uh symbiotes all inside of him and it would blow eddie brock's mind if he exposed him to it and he's about to show him and we get this kind of flash and a rumble and the room has completely changed it's much nicer and the tv where it was playing some telenovela before is now playing a a newscast of one j jonah jameson from the spider-man Far From Home movie, or at least somewhere around that time towards the end of that movie where he's talking about Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So Eddie Brock and Venom. So Eddie Brock and Venom have somehow, neither one of them claim responsibility for it, somehow been transported into the the MCU universe and that uh, uh, they're now going to be a part of the Spider-Man MCU franchise, which is which is fun. I, I'm excited about that because uh, everybody's wanted to see Peter Parker and and Venom, Spider-Man and Venom, uh, something done with the two of them. Everybody kind of thought maybe uh, Peter Parker would be in the Venom movie uh, somehow, maybe in a, a mid-credit scene or a post-credit scene, something like that, uh, but. This was a great way to bring Venom into the MCU, I think. And it was kind of interesting. They had a picture of Peter Parker on the screen. And Venom uh, says that uh, that guy and licks the screen. So you don't know whether it's going to be an adversarial relationship. Maybe he remembers because of this uh, hive mind mentality across all these universes from these symbiotes. He remembers... Uh, the Venom character from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and his involvement with Spider-Man. It's really interesting. There's a lot laid out on the table uh, to see what's going to happen as they go forward with this. And um, I'm interested to see. We've got uh, Far From Home or No Way Home. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home coming up uh, in, what was it, December. And it's going to be interesting to see if we maybe have a Venom uh, appearance in the movie or Venom in a post-credit or mid-credit scene. Uh, I'm really excited about that. That uh, that to me is going to be fun to see 
the next step in the progression of Spider-Man and Venom finally uh, facing off or, or whatever they're going to do. Uh, I'm excited about that. So it was an excellent movie. I, you know, I know a lot of people really kind of crap on Marvel and Disney, especially the fact that Disney's involved and uh, Disney, they're the big meanies, big bad guys. Yeah, yeah, Disney is what it is, and they do what they do. Um, but it's still, you know, it's comic books on the silver screen, and I enjoy that. You know, I grew up reading these as a kid. I grew up with these characters as a kid, and... Uh, it's the sort of thing that, you know, these characters and these images from these comic books haven't left my mind even now as an adult. And that is an impact. And to be able to see these characters come to life on the screen, whether it's exactly how it should have been, uh, whether it's exactly how it was in the comics, you know, sometimes they are, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just, you know, lightly alluded to what happened in the comics. But it, it's still fun. This was still a fun movie to watch. It still had a lot of different facets to it, a lot of different elements. Like I said, there was, there was some horror elements to this. There's a lot of action to it. A lot of the comic book fun and banter between characters. And it was just a, a fun movie to watch. And I really got to give uh, hats off, one, to the cast. I thought the cast, like I said, did a fantastic job. But Andy Serkis, uh, his first time helming uh, one of these Venom movies. And I thought he did a spectacular job. I thought he handled the the different elements, the horror elements, the action, the, you know, the comedy. I thought he handled all that very well as a director. And, and Andy Serkis is, is one of those uh, directors that, you know, he's, he's so known for his work on Lord of the Rings as Gollum and his work on uh, King Kong and, and that sort of thing. But one of the things I've been so impressed with is his uh, directing because he's done a lot of directing uh, here. You know, he did that uh, Mowgli, um, the the version of the Jungle Book, which uh, I, I really liked. I almost like that better than the, the Disney live-action Jungle Book that they did. Uh, but he's starting to do more directing, and I've, I've really been impressed with a lot of the things that uh, that he's been involved with directing. I can't wait to see some more uh, from Andy Serkis when it comes from uh, seeing the stories that he tells from the director's chair. I mean, he does such a great job at acting and with um, with the motion capture shoot, suits and stuff like that. That's that's cool. That's what we expect. But But, you know, him as a storyteller, I think it's spectacular as well. And like I said, really excited to see more from Andy Serkis uh, from a directorial standpoint. Uh, that that to me is something to, to look forward to. So really excited about that uh, in the future. I'm excited to see if he, you know, helms any future Venom projects. Because I thought this one, um, you know, the first Venom was really good. The one from from 2018 uh, was really good. I thought this took it to another level and it really amped up everything they'd built on in the first one and, and took it, you know, further uh, 
and set it up for a great future. So I'm really excited to see more of this. I'm really excited to see Venom in the MCU, and hopefully we'll see something more with Venom on, uh, on the new Spider-Man, a No Way Home movie that should be coming out uh, here towards the end of the year as we get closer to Christmas. So really excited about all those things. Uh, like I said, it's a fun movie, and you know that's what comic books are all about, fun. And seeing the fantastic and the science fiction and even sometimes the horror all play out on the screen with these with these fantastic uh superhuman characters and that's that's what i liked about it and that's what you get with uh, venom let there be carnage so check it out like i said i try not to be too spoilery but uh you know a lot of what we covered is nothing that you didn't see in the trailer um like there were like i said there was a couple spoilery things i i laid out for you but uh it is worth going to see and, and check out uh, so i encourage everyone to check that out venom let there be carnage and tune in for our next episode coming up on thursday of course speaking of movies coming out that i am excited about uh halloween kills is coming out uh, later this month october is here folks and i'm we've got a lot planned for october a lot of uh halloween centric uh, shows. I mean, we're going to have, you know, like this movie review, Halloween Kills, uh, you know, you're the best of both worlds. You get uh, a movie review and it's about Halloween. So that's, uh, that's perfect. Of course, that movie comes out on October 15th and I'll be doing my review on that the following Monday, October the 18th. But as we get ready for Halloween Kills, I thought it would be great to kind of give you my thoughts on the Halloween franchise. And we're going to go over quickly um, my thoughts on all the movies from Halloween 1978 all the way up until uh, Halloween 2018. I'll give you my thoughts on the on you know all the various films. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts on some of the best scares, uh, what I thought of the acting and the characters and the stories where each story went. We're not going to do a real deep dive. Actually, if you want to check that out, and I'll mention this in the the next couple episodes we do on Halloween. But there's a, a podcast, Halloweenies. Uh, some of the guys from the Losers Club podcast, which I, I'm a big fan of both of those podcasts. Uh, they uh, Halloweenies, their first stretch of episodes were all about the Halloween film franchise uh, leading up to the uh, 2018 release of Halloween. And they, each episode is a, they take a look at uh, each movie in the franchise and do a real deep dive. And they do a really good job in talking about it. I don't agree with their takes on, on some of the movies, you know, some movies they liked. I didn't, some movies I liked, they didn't, uh, but, but it is a really cool podcast. And, uh, like I said, uh, they do a really deep in-depth dive into, to each movie. Now I'm not going to, now I'm not going to be doing that. We're going to do uh, more of an overview uh, of each movie, but we're going to lead up, uh, use that to, to kind of lead up to, uh, the big Halloween kills release on October 15th. So uh, kind of excited to talk about that because Halloween, uh, has the original was, has been one of my favorite, uh, horror films of all time. And I've, I've loved this franchise for, for all of its 
triumphs and all of its faults. And there are many faults, and we'll talk about those. But uh, be looking for that coming up on Thursday, October 7th episode of Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. So be looking for that. So you can check out our Facebook page, Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop on Facebook, with all the latest details on uh, upcoming episodes. I'm always scouring the internet for trailers and articles on different horror, fantasy, and sci-fi projects out there. So uh, like our Facebook page, uh, share this podcast, give it a review. Five stars would be awesome. Um, Just let us know you're listening. And like I said, if you know people that love horror and fantasy and sci-fi, please share this podcast with them, spread the word. And this is something where, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get better each each episode uh, i'm trying to to kind of find a, a niche as to how i want these how spoilery i want to be how unspoilery i want to be uh, but this podcast hopefully will grow with each episode and i thank you for for being there for the beginning and uh, really excited about uh, all the things we're going to be able to talk about uh, with this uh, podcast over the coming weeks and months and hopefully years. But uh, but thank you for listening. And like I said, uh, share this with your friends and neighbors. Share it with Granny. You know she likes being scared from time to time. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!